Let's open our Bibles, John chapter 15. John chapter 15. And we'll pick it up where we left off. We've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit, right? Peace and love and joy. And these things that Jesus said he'll give to us, his peace, his love, his joy. And, uh, you know, they're just things that we need to depend on him on and depend on him for. And, and how it's, it really, these things come out of our relationship with him. And I've been saying that over and over, but it really is true. The joy that we have, and I was reading about it this morning, the joy that we have comes out of our relationship with him. It doesn't come out of the circumstances around us in the world and, and uh, just situations that we face. But the joy comes out of our relationship with Jesus. And, and the same for peace and same for, for love. And, and, and then our relationships with one another, they also uh, can bring fruit too. But mainly this relationship with Jesus. Uh, friends, we talked last week about friends. That's kind of important, right? Are friends important? Yes. Yeah? One person thinks so. <laughs> you know, the terms for friends are used uh, almost 200 times in the Bible. So that, that is significant. It's not two times, it's 200 times. So friends are very, very important. But, but even more important, you know, there's a friend that, that sticks closer than a brother. And, there, and, and to be friends of God, that's even that's even the best thing, that he chose us to be his friends, that he kind of likes us, I think kind of. That we can be, you know, the very best friend in our relationship with God and that he's always there for us. He's, he's always available and he, he has that time for us. So that's something we, you know, we know Jesus as Savior. We know him as Lord, but we, do, we, do we have an actual friendship with him? Because he says, I call you friends and I want to speak with you and tell you and, and talk with you. It reminds me of that old hymn, um, In the Garden. How many of you remember that one? Uh, I come to the garden alone. While the dew is still on the roses, uh, and the voice I hear calling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. He walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known, I think. Is that right? Did I get that right? I wasn't planning on quoting that, but he walks with me and talks with me in the garden. And we used to, one of the very first ministry opportunities we had in, when we were in Bible school was to go to a, a retirement home, and there was a gal there who played the piano, and she played all the hymns, and we would sing, but that was like her favorite. She'd always play that one, like almost every week in the garden. Today... I want to talk about something that is really not so pleasant. We've talked about love, joy, peace, friendship, and that's good. But, but what I want to talk about today is hate. Say, wow, that's a crazy. What do you want? You know, isn't Jesus, he only talks about good stuff, right? He only talks about happy stuff. But he talks about hate in the passage we're going to look, look at today. And he gives his disciples a warning. And I think this, this is a warning for us as well. And he gives them this warning that it wouldn't always be easy in this world. 
It would not always be easy for the believer, for those uh, who are followers of Jesus in this world. Let's look at uh, verses 18 and 19, chapter 15. Jesus said, if the world hates you, he just got through saying, this is my command, love each other. So he jumps from verse 17, love each other, to verse 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as, it, as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. That's kind of a strong word, isn't it? It's the definition of hate, I looked it up, is intense, passionate dislike, intense hostility. So Jesus is saying that there's something uh, uh, that comes from the world towards his disciples, his, his followers, his family, his friends, would be hate, this intense hostility. Now, you know, we, we look at this word world and, you know, it, it really has some different definitions. And, and uh, <clears throat> the short list is really this. Uh, when we say the world, we think of the created world, the whole world, right? This, the planet that we live on. Or we think of the world being just like um, the whole world of humanity, all the people. But in the Bible, and, and John uses the word in lots of different ways, and the Bible uses it in lots of different ways, but in this particular instance, he's talking about the society, this, uh, this group uh, of, of humanity that is uh, set apart from God and that is opposed to God. Okay, so he's saying that world, the world that is apart from God and that is actually in opposition of God, is going to hate you. The world is going to hate you. Jesus said in 1 John, uh, excuse me, John said in 1 John, do not, be dis do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. Jesus has given us this warning, and John has given us this warning as well, that don't be surprised if the world hates you. Now, some of you are thinking, well, that doesn't really affect me that much. But let's talk about this for a few minutes. First question I want to ask is, why, why would it hate? Why would the world hate his disciples, the disciples of Jesus? The first reason that Jesus gives is this, is that it hates him. The world hates Jesus. This society, this group of of humanity that are, you know, opposed to God. It hates Jesus. It hates him first. First John, it says, or excuse me, John 7, 7 said, the world cannot hate you. In other words, it's not hating you, but it hates me. It hates Jesus. Why? He said, because I testify that what it does is evil. The things that Jesus says to the world, we're going to talk about conviction uh, coming up, uh, later in the chapter, it, it, you know, they don't want to hear it. Why would you tell me that what I'm doing is wrong? They don't like the word evil. They don't like the word wrong. They don't like the word sin. I mean, none of us like those words, but, but we, I think as we become followers of Jesus, we begin to understand what Jesus is talking about. He said in chapter 3, 
This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light. It will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Jesus, we saw in, in John chapter 8, verse 12, is the what? The light of the world. And so they hate the light because the light shines on, on behavior. It shines on how we live it. It shines even to the deepest parts of who we are. They hate, the, they hate that. They hate Jesus. Number one. Number two is because you and I, we belong to Jesus. So it's this identification, this association that we have that they don't like us because we belong to him. They hate him, and so if we belong to him, they hate us as well. Which, which gets me to this, you know, when I'm thinking about this, there's something that, that takes place for those of us that have, have given our lives to Jesus and, and, and we've been born again by the Holy Spirit of God. Something, something takes place. It's a radical change. It's a radical change. Uh, Paul said in Colossians, he said, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, the kingdom of Jesus. And he talks in those verses about redemption and forgiveness of sin. There's something that has taken place in the world. They see that something has happened. Now, if that hasn't happened to us, we really have no problem with the world. The world doesn't see any change. They don't see anything going on in our lives. And so it's okay. You're cool. I'm cool with you. But, but what I believe is that if we truly, truly have been changed by the Spirit of God, we're going to have a different joy. We're going to have a, a different purpose, a different hope, a different love. There's going to be some kind of a certainty of, of truth. And really, it's a standard of life. There's, we're, we've got to be different or we do not belong to Him. If we're the same as the world, it's questionable if we truly belong to him but because we're different if we are different that's where the rub is that's where the world says you know you're you know you're you're different from me and i and i you know i don't want to have anything to do with you jesus said if you know that if we belong to the world the world will love us as its own uh uh, one commentator said that people of the world will love those who live as they do. If we just go along with everything and do everything the world does, the world's happy with us. They're going to love us. But when we live different, and this is the challenge, and it's also, it's a reality. When you and I live different from the world around us, that's going to open us up to, to being talked about. Uh, Jesus says in John chapter 17, I want you to turn ahead there for a second. It's just the next chapter. That's easy to find, right? John chapter 17, verse 14. In his prayer, he says these words. He said, I have given them your word, uh, your word and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. 
My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. This is where we get that phrase that, you know, we are in the world, but not of the world. From these words of Jesus in John 17. We're here. And Jesus said, don't take them out. We're, we're supposed to be here, but we're not supposed to be of the world. We're in it, but we're not of it. There's, there, there must be a radical difference between us and the world. The whole, you know, focus of the world, the whole direction of the world. We're in the world, but not of the world. Peter talking about it, he says, you know, he says, you have spent enough time in the past doing what unbelievers choose to do living in debauchery and lust in drunkenness in orgies carousing and detestable idolatry we 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 lived there we were already there before he says but something happened but he says this listen to this he says they think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation and they heap abuse on you they think it's strange that you're not going to follow right along with everything they say everything they do and they heap abuse on you what are you better what are you a jesus freak are you judging me you know again this idea this is like I think for me, the heart of what Jesus is trying to get across is, is why would they hate you? Because you're different. Why would they hate us? Because we are different. You know, we don't accept or subscribe to some of the crazy immoral things of the world. You don't have to look very far in our society in, in this quote unquote Christian nation of what, where we have devolved. You know, the, 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 the sin and the, 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 the horror of abortion, how we've taken marriage and twisted it and completely you know, opened it up to all different kinds of weird and immoral things. Some of the gender things that are happening now. It's like, where is this world going to next? But we are different. We don't accept, we don't subscribe to those things. Just because everybody's saying that doesn't mean it's true. We rather hold on to God's word as the truth, the ultimate basis for truth. This is what we, this is where the truth is. The, the weird thing is that, you know, the, the world talks about truth, but, but really the, the truth for the world is, a, is kind of a moving target. And it, it, it just depends on how, how you feel at the moment. And how you feel, what you feel the truth is, that is the truth. Although they won't allow the Christians to have that same freedom. You notice that? You, you know, whatever you believe, whatever you think is true is true. That's fine. But don't tell me what you think is true. Because what we would say is true is what God says in his word is the truth. That Jesus is the truth. We, we recognize sin. We recognize our own sin, that we need a Savior, that, that the world is in need of a Savior. But their rejection of Jesus is really where it's coming from. And I think Jesus tries to bring that out very clearly in these verses, that it's because of me that they reject you. It's because of me that they reject you. 
Look at verse 20 back in John chapter 15. Verse 20, it says, Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. Uh, Jesus spoke about that earlier. He says, you know, that no servant is greater than his master. And he, he talked about it in, in chapter 13. So it's this idea of persecution, again, not because of who we are, but because of who Jesus is and that, we've, that we're followers of his and that, we, that he's made a great change in our lives and we're doing everything we can in our power to follow after him. Peter, again, said this, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering. He was speaking about persecution as though something strange were happening to you. We talk about it, you know, when we have a trial of our car breaks down or something, but it, it, this was something much more serious that was going on in that, at that time. He said, rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. It's very clear what he's talking about here. Insulted because of the name of Christ. He says you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Persecution. Now, I, I mean, I have to stop here and talk about this for a minute because, you know, persecution, you know, really, do we face much persecution right now? You know, how much persecution do I really face? I'm talking about us here now in our country, in our situation, even us in this room. How much do persecution do I really face? It's not really that much. But, but I want to ask the question, too, is it, is it because there isn't much persecution or is it because I'm not truly living for Jesus? That, that, that's a question we need to ask as well. But in many places around the world, persecution is, is flat out. It's full blown. And I think we in the West and we in our country, we don't have a clue. We don't realize what's going on that, that you know, thousands and, and hundreds of thousands of people over the last, you know, century have been uh, murdered for their faith. Some put it in the millions. In fact, people who study these things say that in the last century, more people have died because of their faith than all the previous 19 centuries combined. That, that is, you know, increasing there are countries that, you know, it's very difficult to follow Jesus. North Korea, number one. Afghanistan, number two. Somalia, Libya, Pakistan, Eritrea, Sudan, Yemen, Iran. And now India is on the top ten list. It's, it's very difficult to follow Jesus in these places. However... I think in the USA it's getting worse. And I, and I think it's a warning for us to watch out. It's going to get worse. It will get worse. I've been saying that and I think it's true. 
And, and when you look at the indicators and you look at what's happening and, and people, you know, that have, that have been taken, dragged into the courts because they didn't want to uh, do what uh, somebody asked them to do because it went against their biblical principles. It's happening. It's happening and it's getting worse. Let's move on. Verse 22. John 15, verse 22, Jesus said, If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my Father as well. If I had not done among them what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. In other words, Jesus is saying, you know, he came and spoke and, and they didn't want to hear what he had to say. Why? Because he, he was pointing out the fact that they were sinful and they needed a savior. This is really the truth of, of the Bible declares. It doesn't just come to hammer us for our sin. But when we don't believe that we are, you know, we have any sin and we, we don't want to hear about any of that. He says that's why they, they've. They've rejected him. They hate him. They hate the Father as well. But we know that Jesus came to die for our sin, to open the way for us to heaven, to, to restore the relationship with God so that, that we could have eternal life. He goes on to say there that, but now that they have seen these miracles, and yet they have hated both me and my Father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. They hated me without a cause. If you stop and think about it, first of all, notice he's, he's talking about now religious persecution. Because he's speaking about the Pharisees. Who, who persecuted Jesus the most in his day? It was the religious people, it was the Pharisees. But in their very own law, it said, they hated me without reason. They hated him without cause. You have to stop and think about it. You know, why were they so angry at Jesus? Why did they, you know, what was it about him other than the fact, you know, that, that he spoke the truth that they didn't want to hear? But think about what, what Jesus did. He, he, he went around, he, he, he loved people. He healed people. He pointed people to God. He came to, to bring hope. He came to bring life. And yet we reject him and we turn against him. We don't want to have anything to do with him. The, the person that came to do all these good things for us. Like, does that make any sense? Moving into chapter 16. Again, Jesus says this, all this I have told you so that you will not go astray. He's giving them this warning again that the world is not always going to accept you. But he says, I'm telling you all this so that you will not go astray. The, the word literally means to be entrapped or to be tripped up. And, and the Greek word is scandalizo or scandalizo. And it's where we get our word scandal. 
He said, I, I've told you these things so that you won't go astray. In other words, it's a warning. It's a warning uh, uh, about compromise for you and I. We're in the world, but not to be of the world. And, and there's a danger, isn't there? That you and I would just jump right in. Why? Because we don't want to be, you know, persecuted. We all want to be accepted. I, you know, I want to be accepted by everybody. I want to be liked by everybody. But Jesus is saying, listen, it's, it can't be that way. Why? Because they hate me. Because they hate him. Sometimes because of this need that we have, this want to be accepted by the world, we're willing to go along with the world. We're willing to laugh at their jokes, to jump in with them, you know, go to the parties and do all the things and, and that, that the world is involved in and doing that is you know, immoral and, and unhelpful, unhealthy even, because we don't want to be, you know, rejected. James, the brother of Jesus, half-brother of Jesus, he said this. He said, and James, you know, he, he kind of speaks his mind pretty bluntly. He said, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Friendship with the world is hatred toward God. He said, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. That's pretty strong words. We choose. We choose who we're going to be friends with. He said friendship with the world is hatred toward God. The hatred of the world. Let's uh, close. Uh, let's look at verses 2 through 4, and we're going to wrap it up there. He says, they will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will, thinks, will think that he is doing a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. He's, he, he's giving them this warning. He said people even who thought that they were serving God would give them this kind of uh, persecution. Now, for those in that day to be excommunicated from the synagogue, you know, it, it, meant, it meant being isolated from life because life was all wrapped up and, and, and they were all part of this life of the synagogue. And so to be excommunicated, to be put out of that, uh, that meant the loss of, of so much. They would lose jobs. They would be rejected by their own families. And I don't know if you've ever heard this, but many times, in the, in the, even today, for a, a Jewish person to accept Jesus Christ as Messiah, the family completely rejects them, will not have nothing more to do with them. Hatred of the world, persecution because of Jesus. Why? Because we belong to him now. So Jesus, again, isn't afraid to speak difficult words, pointed words, but, but he says, I've said this to you so, so that when the time comes, it's not so bad here in America now. We get a little bit of joking here and there, but, but not, not harsh persecution, though some have faced it. 
He says, when the time comes, you, you'll remember that I warned you. You'll remember that Jesus talked about hate. He talked about the hatred of the world. But he wants you and I to hold on. And don't, don't compromise. Don't go astray. Hold on to him. He's going to get us through. Next week, we're going to look at the verses that we jumped over, verses 26 and 27, about the Holy Spirit. Because in the middle of it all, he, he, He's there with us. He doesn't leave us on our own. He never leaves us on our own. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, we, we come before you this morning. We look to you. We, we know that... Uh, you love us, you care for us, you're with us, and sometimes it is difficult in this world just to follow you. So we pray for that strength that we need, Lord. It really isn't that bad. We, we pray for our brothers and sisters around the world, though, that are, that are facing extreme and severe persecution, Not, nothing like that we even understand or can fathom. We pray for them, Lord. I know, Lord, I've heard that they pray for us. Because we have gotten so weak and so compromised. Help us, Lord, to stand for you, to stand for the truth of your word in these very dark days that are coming. and To live for you and only you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you abide within to help us. Lord, I want to pray right now for any maybe that have never, never received Jesus, never opened their heart to Jesus. Maybe that's you today. You can, you can ask him in today. If you want that love, that joy, and that peace, that friendship, that life, it's yours for the asking. All you need to do is open your heart and ask him in. Say, Jesus, I, I've heard this warning today, but I, but I want you. I need you. I am a sinner, and you died on the cross for my sin. You rose from the dead, conquering death, that I could have eternal life. So I receive you here. I receive you now, today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand and sing together, shall we?